Continuing through this series in the book of 1 Thessalonians, so you're welcome to turn there this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we'll be looking at verses 9 through 12. When your life, when you live out your faith, 1 Thessalonians 4 verses 9 through 12. As you know, as we've introduced this series, we've talked about this idea of flourishing. It's, it's a great word to describe the, the Christian life and how they're we're to mature in our faith as we, reflur- as we flourish in Christ. When we're flourishing, we're healthy, we're, we're thriving, we're, we're blossoming, we're, we're making an impact, we are influencing. And that's the idea of living out Christ, that we make a difference, that we uh, impact with the, the faith we have. You know, uh, just a short time ago, uh, some uh, that we know as Esquardo and and, and Cali, our, our missionaries to Guatemala, uh, were with us. And uh, it, it's neat. When they come, they usually visit our Connect group. My wife and I, as well as another couple, the Grays, we, we uh, lead out with a group of uh, young married couples. And if you're a young married couple, uh, you're welcome to join us. It's a 9.30 hour. Don't leave now. Just go next week. Uh, but, but the idea of that is just a, a place where we have a uh, connect group. And uh, it's, it's neat because they, they always add when they come and they share. And it's interesting. Esquardo said uh, a couple weeks ago when he was here, he goes, you know, it's interesting. It seems like uh, Americans, and he wasn't being critical of us Americans, but, but he, he made a point that we, we, we open our Bible, we come to church, we open our Bible, and, and we'll read our Bible, but then we close it. And then once we close it, we don't really seem to do much with it. The Word doesn't really impact us. And see, the Word should impact us. The Word should change us. In fact, uh, has our faith changed us this morning is a, is a challenge for all of us. When we look at this passage in, in verses 9 through 12, again, it's just a, a few verses we'll consider this morning. But let me kind of introduce it this way. Uh, look uh, up to verse 1, if you would, of, of chapter 4. Where, where Paul's telling the church, he says, Finally, then, brothers, we ask you and we urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk to please God just as you're doing, so that you do it more and more. In other words, keep walking with Jesus. Uh, as we look then at verses 9 through 12, he, he lays out some commands for us. And he says, Now concerning brotherly love, You have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you're doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. And then he says, to to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs, to work with your own hands as we instruct you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. And I love what Paul does here. He just reminds us again. He says, I know you're doing this, but you keep doing it. You know, as parents, we probably are good at reminding and then uh, reassuring again. Like, are you sure? Do you got this? And I see Paul doing that to us this morning. He goes, you seem to have some of these thoughts worked out in your life, but you keep doing that. You keep, he, he gives us repetition here. 
repeated over and over. Now, again, before we get really into this thought this morning, uh, I'd just like to remind us of another couple passages. So if you wouldn't mind turning toward the front of your Bible to, to Ephesians chapter uh, 5 and, and just kind of look at a couple things just to kind of keep reinforcing this idea of how we're to, to walk, how we're to grow. And once you get to chapter 5, just go back to chapter 4. Uh, because I want you to just look at verses uh, 1 through 2. And, and, you know, what Paul does, he's so good at, he gives us these word pictures, and he, he tells us how we're to walk. And, of course, we all walk differently. Some of us walk at a, a fast pace. I kind of just amble along sometimes, and I'm not a real fast walker. I just kind of cruise. Uh, Leon Smith, who just had a new hip, uh, he's walking this morning with a cane, and thankfully he's walking. Uh, but, you know, we all have a different way of walking. Sometimes we walk with our head down without, uh, you know, maybe uh, some direction. But, you know, Paul gives us some specifics here in chapter 4 that I just want us to be reminded of as we introduce all this. He says, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, verses 1 and 2, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And then he goes on and says what that worthy walk looks like. He says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. So again, he, he, he tells us how our walk should be a walk of humility, that we should be gentle as we walk and live our life, that, that we should bear one another. There should be patience there. So again, walking's important. And then in verse 17, just jump down to there, it says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. So what's he saying here? Once you're a follower of Christ, your walk should be different. You should be walking differently. So again, I remind us of that to kind of introduce all this as we move into uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now, in your introduction, there's a quote that I'd like to share with you from John MacArthur. And he says it this way. He says, Christianity is a shoe leather faith. A living, practical faith that hits the streets in normal, everyday life, affecting everything from the believer's simplest attitudes and most mundane actions to their profoundest thoughts and noblest deeds. You know, that's a powerful statement as we think of that, how, how our, our, our walk should be practical. It should be lived out as we live every part of our life. The simple attitudes as well as those noble deeds we possibly do. So this passage gives us four practical commands as to what we must put into practice. It gives us a challenge of, of, of how we should be walking with Jesus, how we are to be ambitious to please God. You know, I remember as a kid uh, how uh, we, we, we got a, uh, a new lawnmower. And, of course, being from a family of six boys, we didn't fight over mowing the lawn. But when we got a new lawnmower, we were pretty special because we actually had a bagger for our lawnmower. We got it from Sears, and, and we'd bag uh, the, the, the grass up. And, and uh, we couldn't just lay it on the road like you can in some uh, places here in Shelby. But for us, we had to bag it. So we put it in plastic bags. And I remember uh, after I'd finished the yard and I'd come home and... Or actually, I, 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 well, I wouldn't come home. I'd finish the yard, and I'd mow the yard, and I, I'd, I'd admire it. And I'd wait for my dad to come home. And I'd wait for him to come home to notice, hopefully, the yard. 
And he'd say something like, man, the yard really looks good today. And, and I tell you that because it, it, you, I wanted to please my father. And boy, God wants us to please him. He wants us to be ambitious to please him. And he gives us some just simple, practical thoughts here of how we're to be pleasing to the Father. And the first command we're given is verses, in verses 9 and 10 where he says, grow in love more and more. That's how we please the Father. We grow in love more and more. As brothers and sisters in this body of Christ, we're to grow in love. And he tells us that in verses 9 through 10. And he talks about this idea of a brotherly love. And if you have family, brothers and sisters, there's probably a connection there. There's a brotherly love. And I know what's cool about having several brothers, we care about each other. And there's a love for each other, but sometimes we do kind of jab at each other. In fact, that's how we communicate sometimes. We'll just you know, kind of uh, give little jabs at each other. It's not sometimes real healthy. But, but the cool thing is, I can do that, but you can't do that. Because we're brothers. We're, we're committed to one another. We, have a, a, we, we love like family. And, and that's what Paul's telling us here, that we're to show brotherly love. It's, a, it's the kind of love that binds us together. It allows us to forgive each other. It, it allows us to accept each other. It's an unbreakable union. Your family thick and thin. You're, you're committed. There's a, there's a loyalty that you have with each other. And, and when there's a brotherly love for each other, you, you, you nourish each other. You, you help each other grow. You, you have a desire to nurture one another. This brotherly love is a, is, is a, is a desire that you just look out for one another. It's a joining of hands that allows ministry to take place. You know, we just heard from the mission team to West Virginia. You know, there's a, there's a community that takes place when there's brotherly love. You know, they're on a task, on a mission together. And that's the way it should be. That we come together, there's a brotherly love, there's a commitment as a church that we're, we're loyal to, to the cause of Christ and we're growing more and more and we have a, a, a desire to, to just... Stay with it and stay with each other. You know, uh, we, we know 1 Corinthians 13 is a great passage that, that talks about that idea of love. In, in the chapter 13, it begins with, you know, you can do these great things for God, but if there, there's not love, you're just like a gong that's making lots of noise. You just aren't accomplishing anything for the kingdom. You're just, you know, <laughs> saying it but not doing it. And he goes on to say that in the first three verses, but then he tells us what love does and what love is. He's, he says that love's patient, that love's kind, that do, love does not envy, it's, it's not arrogant. It does not insist on having to get his own way. <laughs> That's a good thought because, you know, we all like our own way at times. But, but when, you, when you love properly, you yield that right. You hope all things, you endure all things, and, and love never ends. Now, as, as, we, as we look through this and as we think through this, and, and this is in your notes here, when, when, when you love one another more and more, when you have that more and more, these are some things that, that come out of that idea of loving more and more. And, and it's important that we understand this because believers need each other 
to make it through life. We need each other to make it through life. You know, it's not easy to live for Christ sometimes. We, we face temptations. And sometimes we're maybe afraid to let people into our life. But what better way to be encouraged in truth than to have people who you're doing life with? That's why we see the value of connect groups. And this fits right into that, that we are to, to be there for one another. The church in Thessalonica need each other, needed each other. And we as a church need each other. You know, um, having people to pray with you, to, to do life with you. I, I remember hearing uh, the fellow's name was Westmoreland. He was a general. I, I don't know a lot of details. I, I believe he might have been maybe World War II. And, uh, you know, someone asked him once way back, they said, you know, because he, he started out as a paratrooper. You know, he, 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 was a, he jumped out of airplanes and, and would parachute. And someone said to him once, you know, you, you must really love to jump out of airplanes. He says, no, I don't like to jump out of airplanes. I like the people that I jump out of airplanes with. And I thought, you know, that's so true when it comes to the, to the, to the Christian life and having people in your life to do life with. You know, having people there with you to do life is a great thing. Knowing there's people who are going to pray with you, they'll be there with you through thick and thin. A passage that really helps affirm this, and I've referred to this at times. In fact, uh, when we started really getting uh, aggressive with this idea of community and connection in a, in a local church, God showed, showed us this verse, and it's just so helpful. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Isn't that a great verse to have? You know, to think of the partnership we have. Two are better. You know, and, and God gives us two. You know, think of Paul. You know, Paul was very rarely alone in mission, in ministry. You know, he was with Barnabas. He was with Silas. He was with Timothy. You know, partnership's important. You know, Batman and Robin. Right? Adam and Eve. You got partners. You, you, you need partnerships. You're better together. And again, we stress this and, and see the value of this. As you go through life, we need one another as we love more and more. And then there's a, a second thought to all this, too, in that a lack of love leads to strife and divisiveness. So, so be on guard. Be in love with this body of believers. God wants that. I love 1 John 4 where it tells us we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever love God, loves God must, must love his brother. So again, very important to to the walk with Christ as we grow in love and stay in love with one another. And you know, when there's a lack of love in a church, we become critical, we become divisive, we, we become murmurers and gossipers and, and, and cliquish even. And there becomes a, a selfishness. 
us. And, and, and Paul's encouraging this church, and I believe he's encouraging our church here this morning, to stay in love, to stay in love more and more. And what's cool is, word got out how much this church loved each other. It got out to the other regions of this area. In fact, the, the Bible tells us that uh, throughout Macedonia, it's heard. He goes, man, those people over there at Pleasant City, they just really love each other. Oh, you go to that church, and they really care about you over there. And, and boy, what a neat reflection uh, for, for a church to have, for a, a body of believers to have, have that, that word gets out. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I've loved you, also love one another. By all this, people will know that you're my disciples. You, you have love for another, one another. John 13. Now, before we move on to point two, there's a couple words, several words, four words, actually, that I just want us to kind of uh, help get us uh, this idea of love cemented in our, in our minds. And it's just a simple little acrostic. It, it's there in your notes. Uh, and the first idea of this is when, when we think of this idea of loving when you love properly, when, you, when you're loving the way God wants you to love, you listen. You, you listen. When, when you love one another, you respect, you accept them graciously, and you listen to what they say and what they feel. You know, I have a thought here in my notes here. How can we talk so others will listen? And how can we listen so others will talk. And, and God wants us to be listeners as we, you know, and I'm so quick to always talk and share and share my ideas, but, but I'd be a better lover of Jesus, I believe, if I'd listen more. And then there's another thought here. We overlook. As you love, you listen. As you love, you overlook. Too often we pick out the flaws and shortcomings of other people. Accept others in love and, and affirm their strengths and help them with their weaknesses. And don't be so quick to point out their weaknesses. Above all, keep love, loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. 1 Peter 4, verse 8. And then as we continue to work through this idea of, of, of loving, we, we value, we value. Real love honors and makes us feel valuable and capable. You know, let people in to your community. Value them. And then we express. Because love is a verb. Love leads to action. And you think of those 1 Corinthians 13 actions again. Love is patient and kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't keep score. So, so it shows itself in tangible ways. So before we move on, stop with me just for a minute and think, okay, we've heard part of this sermon, and this week I'm going to show expression of love in this way. I'm going to practically put into action love this week. It might mean forgiving. It might mean listening it might mean talking it might mean writing a letter it might mean going on a walk with her 
you know, what is that action, that act of service, that seeking out that forgotten friend that you're seeking to do? And I hope you wrote that down. I hope you're going to make it a practice to, to put that into practice this week. So command number one, we grow in love more and more. There's a second thought here in verse 11. We lead a quiet life. We lead a quiet life. Aspire to live quietly, the passage says. We live quietly. It implies, this is in your notes, that we are to live peaceably with others. Live peaceably. You know, a cross-reference over in chapter, or 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, you know, Paul wrote that as well to this church. And he says this in verses 10 through 12. He says, For even when we are with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. So see what Paul's stressing here is the idea of living a quiet life. And what was going on, it seemed, in this church was... You know, they had heard a, a, a lot about the Lord coming back. You know, the, the coming of Jesus. So some were just checking out of their jobs, selling all their stuff, and they were just kind of just laying back and waiting for the return of Christ. And Paul got word of this, and of course it wasn't a good thing. You know, Paul modeled work for us. And, and he tells them to... to, to to aspire to live quietly and, and, and make your own way is what he's saying here. So live quietly, be peaceable with others. And then he says, as believers, we must learn to be quiet and listen to others. This kind of uh, piggybacks on our first point a little bit, but the idea of, of listening to others. And, and as followers of Christ, we need again to be good listeners. As a believer... We need to listen because there's hurts out there. There's people who need to be heard. Be, be quiet and listen. Uh, another thought that goes along with this is the world is hurting and everyone in the world has, has hurts. So be quick to listen there. And, and then be there. Show up in people's lives. You know, be willing to be a minister to them. And, and then as we think of all this, too, you know, there's, there's that idea of being quiet and listening because sometimes we can't effectively communicate the gospel when we're so busy about sharing all about ourselves and not about Jesus. And, and we're too noisy that we uh, are, are distracted and can't share. And believers need to be quiet and study to be quiet. And I, and I think there's a thought that goes along this. Sometimes we're, we're quick to study and learn truth so we can be critical and make others feel badly for what they don't know. And, and, and you know, we're so quick to want to impart our knowledge and not the truth in doing it in love. And again, we should be learners, but we also should be not critical and divisive with what we have learned. So again, mind your own. The idea here that Paul's getting at is, is leading a quiet life. Live peaceably and listen. And then there's two more thoughts here I want us to get to. 
And the, 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 the next one is found in verses, verse 11 too, and that is that we're to mind our own affairs. We're to mind our own affairs. It says to aspire to live quietly and mind your own affairs. That's what the Bible tells us. Too many become busybodies and meddle in the business of others. And, and I believe a person meddles because of this. And this, again, is in your notes here. We, we just tend to be critical by nature. You know, that we're born in that fallen state, and we have that critical nature, and, and we just sometimes live there. And we don't seek to, to, uh, to, to grow in this area. So we just become critical and negative. The music was too loud again. Couldn't find a parking place. Boy, it's so hot. There was grounds in my coffee this morning. You know, and we, we sometimes just are not really helpful. I remember we used to do these evaluations in the previous church I was in in Ohio, and they were helpful at times. But, but you know, sometimes people would just lay it out and say, man, you know, the preacher preached too long, you know, he didn't study, this and that. But, but there's this one person, I've, I, you know, and I, I remember I saved this for, for, for several years. I kept it on my desk. They, they, they gave an evaluation. They go, we didn't come here to be critical. We came here to worship your Jesus, and we wanted to grow with you, and we're just glad that we could be here and glad to be a part. And boy, what a good attitude we need to have. Now, again, we should examine and evaluate and grow, but, but you know, overcome that critical nature. Don't be a meddler. And again, the passage is real clear because it just says, Gary, just mind your own affairs. And then there's another thought here. He fails to see his own shortcomings and failures. You know, we, we, we become such a busybody that we, we, we just are, are worried about others' faults and not our own. We, we have that beam in our eye and... We are worried about the speck in our brother or sister's eye. And, and what's cool is Jesus addresses this. Notice Matthew 7. He says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You know, too often we look at our stuff with a telescope and other people's stuff with a microscope. You know, we're so quick to examine all They're messed up here and they're messed up here. And, 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 and you know, look at yourself and examine yourself. And Jesus really says, you know, you got a big old log hanging in your eye. And your, your neighbor there, your friend, your, your family member, you know, there's really nothing wrong with them. And yet you're so critical of them. Be careful how you examine. Be aware of your shortcomings. And promote the positive. There's two more thoughts here. He fails to look after his own affairs like he should. You know, you're not developing. You're not enlarging and growing in faith, growing in knowledge. You become a meddler, and, and you, you neglect your own business and the work of God and what he has for you. And then, quite simply, the last thought is you just don't have enough to do. 
he, he need to get off the sofa and do something. You need, need to, let me be bold here, get out of the chair and start doing something through the local church God's called you to serve in. You know, be more than just taking up a spot in the parking lot on Sunday morning. Be about the ministry that God's called us to do. We get so preoccupied into other people's thoughts. My challenge, commit more and more to Jesus. Commit to the mission of Jesus. And then in your notes, be so occupied with the things of, of Jesus that we have no time to meddle in the affairs of others. A strong thought here. Mind your own business. And then there's one, one last thought here for us, and that's in verses 11 and 12. Work with your own hands work with your own hands. So you aspire to live quietly, verse 11, mind your own affairs, to work with your own hands as we instruct you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Be dependent on no one. And again, the, the church, what they were being challenged with was, was hey, they, they were waiting for the Lord to come back. And, and that's not a good view of how they should be living. Paul encouraged them to work with their own hands. Be an example to outsiders. You know, as, as, as the church, as, as employees in Cleveland County, and this does my heart such good when I hear of some of our, our members who work in the community, you know, that, give me 10 more like them. They are diligent. They are, are faithful to, to the vision of our, our workplace. And, and you've got a reputation in the workplace like, man, are doing a good job over there teaching your people to be hard workers. So I, I salute you and I commend you to be that you are hard workers, that you're working with your own hands. And, and that's what the passage says. So, so you're an example to outsiders. Now, quickly, God put man on earth to do his work. And, and, and in your notes here, we're, we're, we're called to work to subdue and gain dominion over the earth. That's what, that's what Genesis 1.28 tells us. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So, so, so that's why God put us here, to subdue, to, to, to oversee what he's called us to. And then we're, we're to work to provide for the necessities of life. That way you have food on the table. You have places to live. Uh, and Genesis tells us that, Lord... God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and to keep it. It's a necessity of life. And then I love this last thought here too. Work to have enough to give to those in need. You know, we, in Ephesians, we, we see that we're told to, uh, to share with anyone who has a need. So that's why we have opportunity to work as well. To help those who maybe aren't as fortunate as us. Work so we can honestly before the world and win their respect. Don't be inactive. Don't be complacent. Hear God's command here. Work with your own hands. So how is our faith? How has my faith changed me? Am I loving more and more? Am I leading a quiet life? Am I minding my own business? Am I working with my own hands? Again, our, our faith needs to be growing. 
in our application as we think back to that earlier quote we shared. Is our faith a shoe leather faith? You know, are we walking in a practical way that our faith as it hits the streets in normal everyday life affects everything from the believer's simplest attitudes and most maintained actions to the profoundest thoughts and noblest deeds. What does the world see when the world sees you? Grow more and more. Lead a quiet life. Mind your own business and work with your own hands. You know, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has given us this opportunity that we have everything we need to be godly. Everything. You know, if you trusted Christ, I know at the age of 16 years old, the Lord Jesus took up residence in my life. He changed me. He saved me. And, and since that day, he began a good week, work in me, and he'll complete that until the day of Christ. When my faith hits the streets, is it making impact for Christ? That's our prayer this morning. Let's pray. Lord, you're so good to us. We thank you for the truths of your word. Lord, this is a powerful challenge. And may it just uh, challenge us to be more like you in all we do and say. Thank you for the fact that we have this hope in Christ. And Lord, thank you that we can be a church that can love more and more, that can be an example to those that we come in contact with and impact lives. Give us a faith that's practical, that's walking truth out there. And Lord, may we, as your children, do your work that you call us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning? We're getting ready to sing a song of invitation as Wes leads us this morning. And uh, my challenge to you is... is uh, Examine yourself, you know.